0: The wazoo. We want to try to be a blessing for whatever you're going through to try to meet a need and be a help, or at least to be able to find it and get it for you, okay? Uh, but if you wish to help with the conference, we do have some more needs for some volunteers. There's a sign up sheet in the back table. And if you would like to help with the cost of the conference, uh, please put your offering in an envelope market, LISO conference or LISOC would be fine. We'll get it there. Uh, and it will go to help cover the expenses from speakers. Food, resources, things like that. We'll also be having that Friday and Saturday love offering, much like we would for Revival. Uh, remember, this is sort of in lieu of Revival, so if you had plan on coming to Revival, instead of coming for four or five straight nights, why don't you come for two days, right? There's going to be breaks in between each session, refreshments, um, an opportunity to get resources. We'll have free meals, and, it, and it's free. It costs nothing, right? But we want to be a blessing to those who are coming to help put this on, uh, the Ashley family, which we'll play a video of theirs in just a moment. Uh, and, and the other speakers as well. We've also got some mu- uh, musicians coming in. They're going to be doing some singing uh, Friday night and Saturday during the day for us. And so that would be a big help. So a uh, couple other quick things. Um, we're looking for some uh, help out the next uh, October is going to be busy. Let's just go ahead and say that. All right. It seems like it always happens every year. But uh, nothing's happened in November except for Thanksgiving. And for that, we're thankful. Uh, but then uh, then, of course, Christmas will be here. Uh, you know the times and the seasons changing if you go to Walmart or Hobby Lobby, you know what's coming, right? You can feel the Christmas storm brewing. Uh, but anyways, couple of quick needs. One of our missionaries, uh, missionary A.J. James, he's in need of uh, some help to provide the boxes to the churches that we fill up that he takes and delivers, like we did last couple years, those Christmas shoe boxes. So if you are willing or able or desiring to help out A.J. James with some of the cost of fuel for delivery and as well uh, for the purchase of the boxes... Uh, Please mark it A.J. James or Missionary A.J. James, and we'll make sure it gets to him. And then as well, uh, Hillsville always on Halloween night has a safe trick or treat. We sat up last year and we had made a hundred bags that were full of candy and uh, children's gospel tracts and invitations to church, things like that. Um, And we made a hundred thinking, hey, that is good. That lasts about 10 minutes. Um, and so, uh, we're looking to at least double or triple it because we'd like to be there for about 15 or 20 minutes at least. But, uh, once we got a crowd, we, we eventually just had to say, we're sorry. And we started stealing from other booths and throwing candy. No, I'm just kidding. We had not do that. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, if you could help out by giving uh, bagged candy, uh, we're talking about the good stuff. All right. Uh, we, we want to be good neighbors to our kids and to our people. You tell somebody you love them by giving them chocolate, not by giving them, like Smarties and Milk Duds, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, So we want to give them the good stuff, the Milky Ways, the Three Musketeers, the Snickers, Kit Kat, all the good stuff, all right? And here's what we're going to do. When you get your bags, you got from now until October 25th, that Wednesday, uh, stick them in, uh, we'll have a spot here designated. We'll have a little sign out there in the lobby. Uh, But bring in as much candy as possible. We're shooting for 5,000 pieces of candy. Now, that sounds like a lot, but last year we had about 1,000 pieces of candy, and that lasted about 10 minutes. So if we have 5,000... Well, now we can go a little bit longer, all right? We want to try to be a blessing, and as well get in those tracks to those kids those families. And we had some good conversations last year just in passing, and so uh, we're praying for the Lord uh, just to bear fruit. Uh, tonight, there is no, no service here tonight, but we do have a devotion for you at home tonight. I encourage you, take five minutes with your family tonight uh, and, and get together, uh, read through the Scripture, meditate on it throughout this week, and just see what the Lord has for you. Uh, a couple other reminders. Ladies, if, you have, if you're going to the uh, Lake Retreat, uh, if you haven't already paid in full, all funds are now due, um, as well. This morning, uh, a big thanks to Josiah Hicks for doing Sunny School. How many of y'all are here for Sunny School? They do a good job. All right, good job. Hey, that was his first go round. He was plumb nervous about getting more than fifteen minutes in, and he went past, past due. So, way to go, man. <laughs> it's all downhill from here, but anyways. <laughs> Uh, no way to go. Uh, thank you. And, and Stephen as well last week. It's been a big help. We've been having a good membership class. We've got six folks who are looking to join, so praise God for that. And then next week will be our last membership class, and uh, Brother Tony Hicks will be doing uh, Sunday School. And believe it or not, that's going to be October the 1st. That's hard to believe. Uh, so this year is flying. Uh, reminder as well, I don't know if, if when you walked in church day, how many of y'all spelled spaghetti? How many of you smelled something you didn't know what it was? Okay, all right. <laughs> Might have been walking by the nursery or something, I don't know. Uh, but spaghetti is in the back today. Our seniors are going on a Sight and Sound Theater uh, trip in November. They're doing a fundraiser this week. So today, if you want, they got take-home, take-away spaghetti, salad, and dessert. Uh, so go and uh, grab it. They'll have it ready for you. Give them a donation, and you can um, go home and enjoy it. And Yes, ma'am. It is to-go only. To-go only. So... You can go eat it in the parking lot. No, uh, or, <laughs> or take it to Rio and eat there. I don't know. Uh, get you some chips, salsa, water, and it's all free, right? You no, go home, watch some football, eat you some spaghetti, spill spaghetti on your on your shirt, and uh, and complain about it, all right? But uh, the, the um, fundraiser will help them out for their cost of their trip, and uh, they're back there working on that now. Uh, then this Friday night, we'll have a Fifth Friday Family Fun Fling Ding. We're going to have fun, fun, fun until we're done, done, done. Uh, we're going to have activities for the kids. Uh, we'll have s'mores, bonfires, as long as the weather's good, and uh, we'll have volleyball, cornhole, all that good stuff. And then we'll have whatever food and, and drinks you want to bring, all right? So if you don't want to eat nothing, don't bring a thing. If you want to eat something, then bring something, all right? And we'll, we'll eat whatever you got. Um, then we got the conference, remind you for that. And then Men's Prayer Advance, if any men are wanting to go on that, please go ahead and sign up. We'll be getting announced uh, due for money here soon, uh, but if you can go ahead and make plans for that. I want to read for you a couple uh, verses of scripture today, and we'll pray, and uh, we're going to worship the Lord today. Uh, Psalm 40 tells us this in verses 4 and 5. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than could be numbered. Here's what we're here to do today. We are here to... Be a blessing and to be blessed and to bless the name of the Lord. But as we do this, we find that blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Today, there is a blessing in making the Lord your trust. To trust in him in all things, at all times, in all circumstances, in all situations, and for all time, to trust the Lord. It is a blessed thing. But we find as well that we are to, uh, and he says, and respecteth not the proud, nor turn aside to lies. The reason why we're gathered here today as well is we're not, we're turning aside from the lies of the world and we're turning aside to the truth of God's Word. That's what we're here for. Verse 5 gives us something to reflect on as we uh, stand to sing here in just a moment. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. Can anybody name all the works that God has done? No, of course not. Matter of fact, he talks about this. He says, uh, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. We can't count them up. We can't reckon them up. But we can't even speak uh, enough words to talk about, all the things that God has done. We often say God does more in a millisecond than we'll do in a lifetime. God is always and ever at work and at work specifically on behalf of his people. And I believe today that God desires to do a work in every heart today. If not, then why would, we, why would he want us to meet here? Why would he meet here with us unless he wants to do a work? And so ultimately why we're here today is because we need to get worked on. We want the Lord to do a work and we want to do so uh, to have that work done upon our heart so that then we can in turn glorify him for what he has done for one more act, for one more uh, one more work on the behalf of His people, so that we might praise His name for who He is and what He has done. Let us pray this morning, and we'll stand to our feet and worship the Lord. Actually. After, before we sing, uh, we got a quick video. I remember that now. Uh, Lord, we come to you. We want to thank you and, and praise you, God, for your faithfulness. We're grateful that we can gather. We can worship you. Grateful, Lord, for the many things taking place here at the church. We're grateful that we can host a conference, Lord, to, to give help and hope to those who need it, Lord. And we're, we're a needy people. We come before you needy today. Uh, we're in need of your touch. We're in need of your mercy, your grace. We're in need of your love today, Lord, to be reminded of your glory and your faithfulness to us. So, Lord, help us today as your word is preached, Lord, to receive all things by faith, now, Lord, to trust your word. God, today that we would uh, as well be able to be uh, able to fellowship one with another, to be able to be a blessing to our, our senior ministry. Uh, and and Lord, we just pray that every moment of this service would bring you glory and honor. Lord, strengthen us. Uh, Lord, uh, meet every need of every heart today. And, and God, that we might declare your works and Lord, that we might begin to do so today in our hearts. And Lord, as we go home today, that we would carry uh, that this time and that we would carry your word with us, Lord, that you would do a continuous work in us, through us, and for us, Lord, to your honor and to your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to go dim the lights, and we're going to play a next section of this video about the conference uh, just to give you a little bit more of an idea of some things. And and folks come to sing. I just want to remind you as you saw that little snippet uh, that God has a purpose in our pain uh, that every trial has meaning suffering is not meaningless. Uh, God is always ever doing a work in our hearts through these things and I want to encourage you uh, come and you'll be able to get to meet these folks as they come and help put on this conference for us and uh, you'll get to hear a wide variety of things. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you've got past trauma, if you've got past pain, if you've got anxieties about the future, if you're struggling today with whatever it might be, I promise you, uh, if you come seeking help from the Lord, the Lord has helped today. Uh, let's, uh, Let's worship the Lord.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Today is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord for another day. Uh, please stand if you're able. Hymn number 521, "A New Name in Glory," is our first song. The scripture tells us a little bit about this song. Luke 10:20 says, "Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven." Praise the Lord! A new name in glory. I was once a sinner, but I came, pardoned to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that He always kept His word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes it's mine, with my sins forgiven I am bound, for Written down, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the bright robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, but there's a new name written down. Yes, it's mine. With With my sins forgiven, forgiven, I am bound for heaven, heaven. never more to wrong. in the book is written, Saved by grace. Oh, the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven. It's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story: a sinner has come on, but there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for. standing if you're able. Our next song is hymn number 353, Victory in Jesus. This is a song we all enjoy singing. And when we get over there in the refrain, he sought me and he bought me, right there, bought me. Now we're going to say soul. If you're feeling real spiritual today, now you need to say that, okay? Soul. And uh, after we say the word bought, and then, uh, and uh, with His redeeming blood, we're gonna raise our hands. If you're feeling real spiritual now, you can do this, and raise your hand and say, "Praise God, Amen." Victory in Jesus. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven tells us, "And thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." That's the only victory we have, is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Victory in Jesus. a mansion. Amen. I rejoice in that. I really do. Praise God. Our next song is What a Day That Will Be. What great comfort it is in this song, especially over there where it says no more pain, no more suffering, no more pardon. Amen. I like that. 1 John 3, 2 tells us, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a day that will be. There is come. No more tears. Look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more pardon. It goes on and on. I just can't remember all of them, okay? But that was a blessing to me. And I tell you what, if you got a blesser inside you, which is a comforter, you did too. Amen. We're going to have our little greeting time now. We're going to go around and shake hands and smile and say hello and make everyone feel welcome and look around and you find a visitor or two. I done seen several. So make them feel welcome. (laughs) now i it i found it i i i i i Y'all would make your way back to your seats. I want to make everybody feel welcome today. Things ringing. And uh, we've got a special now by Mr. Teddy Turner. And uh, y'all buckle up and hold on because he's going to be a great blessing to you. I know he will. He always is. We love brother, Brother Teddy. Make him feel welcome. Give him a round of applause. There, they love it, they love yeah I
2: know I like for I like for everybody coming out to hearing me and I like finding pastor Joe they're giving me the opportunity to sing and and j they are giving me a opportunity to sing go for yeah Says, only son, son to save, to save us. us, he, he died, died on the cross of all our sins. I, I praise the precious praise. name of. Jesus He walks out of the grave They lay him in I serve a Savior It's what I was made for disgrace than love I don't deserve I will be faithful I'm and grave my life is greater. Serve, serve the Savior. Savior. This world and then leaves a hole of heartaches The pain it comes, this it's cut cuts is like a knife oh, but the Bible says the one who loves his life will lose it and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me he must follow me where I am there my servant also will be if anyone serves me the Father will honor Him. I serve a Savior It's what I was made for This grace the love I don't deserve I will be faithful unknowing and grateful My life is greater than I serve a Savior My life is greater I serve the Saviour your <laughs> There you
1: go. Good job, Ted. Good job. Amen. Appreciate that, Brother Teddy. Amen. What a blessing. What a great truth in that song. Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray with me, please. Dear Jesus, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings of life. Lord, all your many thoughts toward us you have every day and all the daily benefits and provisions you give us every day. This being one of them, Lord, coming to your house, thank you for the privilege and honor to be here. Thank you, Lord, that we've been invited to your house. Thank you, Lord, that we can sing praises and songs unto you and you only, Lord. You deserve all the praise, honor, and glory for everything we can sing. We just thank you for your great love. Thank you for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't stay in the grave. You came out the third day, just as you said, Lord. And we praise you for that. Lord, have please continue to help out in this worship service. Please accept our worship, and may it be pleasing to you. And we ask, Lord, you'd help our pastor to preach your word this morning and give him strength, boldness, feeling of the Holy Spirit, and a fresh anointing from you, Lord. And, uh, Lord, help him to to say what you'd have him to, to your sheep of your pasture, to your flock this morning. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's accomplished here today. For it's in the holy, righteous, precious, sweet name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. And if you're able, please stand one more time. This will just be standing for one song in case you're getting tired. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, in Christ alone, a great message in this psalm, a message that uh, pertains to this verse right here, John 14:6 tells us, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Them are the words of Jesus, and he is the only way. So in Christ alone depicts that verse in Christ alone. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought seated and my pastor
0: come on and preach preach. all right well great day of worship <clears throat> wonderful songs wonderful singing by the way <clears throat> grateful to gather and uh, exactly what we've just sung is exactly what we're talking about and, and have been talking about in our series dealing with uh, the Christ uh, the, the beauty of Christ church and seeing that Uh, We are beautiful as a church. Now, we might not all feel very beautiful. That's okay. We don't have to. But as a whole, the church is beautiful because of the beauty of Christ, because that we are in Christ. We must find our union in Christ. We often want to jump to uh, a bunch of do's and don'ts. I want you to know, we uh, we don't focus on the do's and don'ts, not because we're not supposed to have do's and don'ts, but because the Bible is much more than do's and don'ts. We are saved by grace, not the law. Therefore, grace has set us free so that we may now freely and lovingly obey our God who empowers us by the power of his Holy Spirit to listen to his word, to obey his word, and to be able to even do what we've just done this morning, to gather, to fellowship, to worship together. And so I'm glad that we get to now take our Bibles and turn and to hear what God has to say to us today. Take your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter 1. The Lord has given me the daunting task of looking today at verses 3 through 14, and that's about 12 more verses than you'd think I'd be able to cover in about this short bit of time, so I'm going to talk fast, and y'all are going to listen fast. Is that right? Does that sound like a deal? Alright, here in Ephesians, what I want to do is I want to be as absolutely crystal clear today as possible. All right. I don't want to leave you with with, uh, some sort of muddy, cloudy vision about what God is telling us here today, but here's what we're going to be looking at today as we wrap up this series about the beauty of Christ's church. We're going to see that today, Christ's church, it has been uh, planned by God the Father, purchased by the Son, and is powered by the Holy Spirit all to the praise of His glory. The church is for the glory of God. The church exists because of the glory of God and the goodness of God and the grace of God. What we're going to see in these verses today is this. We are going to see that every part of the life of the Christian and every part of the life of the church is to be to the praise of His glory. We are here today to glorify God, but I want you, when you leave here today, you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, glorifying God. You want to know what you do in your home or should do in your home, should do at your job, should do with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones, your strangers at food line, at Dollar General, Family Dollar, Walmart, Hobby Lobby, wherever you go and anywhere you go, it is to be to the praise of his glory. Verse number three, blessed be, let let me back up for just a moment. Paul here at the opening of this, and we've spent a good bit of time over the past few weeks here in Ephesians. We've covered Ephesians 4. We've covered a good bit of Ephesians 5. We've been looking at the church. We often look at this and we go the first three chapters are the doctrine, and the last, are the practical. And that is somewhat true. We have to understand that the two are codependent on one or the other. The, the doctrine tells us how to live and what is expected for us and what the Christian life is to look like. And the practical is dependent upon the doctrine or else the practical walk will all get all sorts of cattywampus if we ain't got the right doctrine. All right, we don't want cattywampus walks with the Lord, do we? No? Y'all do not know what cattywampus is? Y'all are looking at me all cattywampus like, all right. <laughs> That's all right. I'm trying to, trying to learn your word, all right. Here's what we see though at the beginning of this letter. Here's what Paul does in chapter 1. This is one long sentence. Now, every English teacher, this is your nightmare, right? There are so many commas in this sentence, right? But it does not matter because this is perhaps one of the most beautiful portions of all of the Bible, especially that of Ephesians, because what we're going to see is that this is one of the most God-centered, Christ-honoring, Spirit-led verses that leads every believer, every church to the praise of His glory. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you've got a pen or a pencil, or anything, find something to write with, and I want you to circle or underline where it says, in heavenly places, but then here's the, going to be the key for the whole passage. This is the key for the whole passage. matter of fact, this is the whole key for the Christian life. In Christ. This is the key for the whole life of the church. In Christ. This is the ministry. This is the motivation. This is everything about our life. From start to finish, from the moment, from life's first cry to final breath, it is to be in Christ to the praise of his glory. So I want you to circle, underline, in Christ, in him, in love, in, in, in. That's going to be the key. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom might want to that one, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. It gets better. In Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the day, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for your word. God, what a daunting task it is to preach week in and week out, but especially coming to a passage like this. God, I pray that you would clear every heart, every mind, including my own. God, that we might receive your word today that, that this would be as clear as can be. God, that you would protect us from the enemy, protect us from our own flesh, protect us from our own thoughts, protect us from our own everything, God, that we would... We would be filled by you, that we would see Christ today, that we would see your word, that we would be to the praise of your glory. God, I pray that you would open up hearts today that need to be saved. Lord, those that need to come to you, those that need to see the beauty of your church, those that need to simply glorify and praise you, Lord. And Lord, for all the rest of us, God, no matter who we are and what we are, God, I pray that we would find ourselves in Christ today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dustin Benz writes about this passage. He says, from these glorious texts, a God-centered definition of the church emerges. The church is uniquely those who have been called out of a sinful darkness by God the Father through salvation in Jesus Christ, are now sealed by the Holy Spirit, and now belong to the Lord. The church thus finds her origin, beauty, and perfection in the triune God. This is why today we've got to understand that the the attack on the Trinity has always been there and it will continue to be there. This is why we must hold fast to the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, you might say, I don't understand, and I can't put it into words. That is fine. Because, matter of fact, there's not a one of us on this side of the grave that will ever be able to comprehend all of these truths of Scripture. And that is why one day the, the, the beauty is that we will stand before him and see him face to face. We shall be delivered from the sinful flesh and the sin-cursed world, the sin-cursed body. And we shall see our Lord, our Savior, who bled and died for us, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, and it will be just fine. God is not looking for you today to know every fact, every jot, every tittle. He simply is calling you and I to know Christ and to make Him known. And perhaps one of the easiest passages, perhaps one of the most needful passages for us to know Him and to make Him known is going to flow out of this passage right here. Ephesians 1 is so key and critical because it teaches us that every moment of, of all of human history from creation to the last day of consummation where Christ uh, brings in a new heaven and a new earth for His bride and we get to enjoy Him forever and forever. So let me break it down this way. From eternity past to eternity future, every act is done by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Every act of all of... Uh, of all time and all eternity, is done by the triune God. In perfect and complete harmony and unison, uh, they, uh, we find that God is ever at work. And here's what happens to us. We, and, and, and We're going to see this in this passage as well. Is that we go to one camp or another. We go to one side or another, one extreme or to another. Because we're trying our best to take the infinite and to stick it in our finite mind. It's impossible. And this is why salvation is not merely an intellectual act. You must know the gospel, but you must believe the gospel and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why the gospel, this is why salvation, this is why your eternity is not hinged upon whether or not you can rattle off facts about Jesus. It is hinged upon what we've already read, and it is this. Are you in Christ? You are either in Christ or you are in Adam yet still. And to help us with this passage before we dive too deep is that you've got to understand you are either today saved and in Christ or you are lost and still yet in Adam. All are born in Adam. Matter of fact, here's what this means. Adam, who was uh, born, uh, not born, but really, but literally born from the dirt, God Spoke all things into existence, but he scooped at the dirt of which he spoke into existence, formed and fashioned man, breathed the breath of life into him, and placed him in a perfect garden, gave him a, a perfect wife, a perfect marriage, a perfect everything, and he gave him one rule do not eat of this particular tree, or in that day that you do, you will surely die. Everyone that has ever lived, your DNA goes back to this man, a literal man. And if you throw away Genesis 1-11, through 11, then you may as well throw rest the, 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 way, the rest of the Bible. Jesus believed in Genesis 1-1. We're going to trust Genesis 1-1. We're going to trust the whole Bible, the whole counsel of the Word of God. Here's what happens. Romans 5 tells us that in Adam, after his fall, that all of us have now fallen in him. So when you were born, you were born, as Ephesians 2 tells us, and you at the quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is our state. We are born stinking, rotten spiritual corpses because of Adam's sin and our sinful nature that has been passed on. So death and sin now reign and have been passed on to every one of us. So as we're going to see today is we've got to understand that you are either in Adam, you are either dead, stinking, rotten, and you need to be born again, or you have been born again, and you are now been placed into Jesus Christ so that it was your death when he died. It was your resurrection when he resurrected. That you are in union with Christ. As we see this, this is going to help us understand this problem passage that everyone gets all in a tizzy about when we see words like chosen or predestinated. Because we're going to understand that this is a whole lot less about you and a whole lot more about the Lord and a whole lot more about a God who saved us by His grace. And here's here's what I want us to do and to caution us before we go any further is this. We have to understand two truths. That God is sovereign and that man is responsible. And one does not make the other untrue or less true. Both are true and not one more than the other. In Adam... Every man and woman is responsible for God and will die and go to hell unless they trust in the grace and goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unless they are cleansed by His precious blood. Responsible. But we must see that God in His sovereignty has seen fit to save us and to make only one way of salvation. And here it is. In Christ, that's it. And notice, as we see the beauty of Christ's church and we wrap up this series, we see that this, this passage seems to stand out above all the rest, that the beauty of Christ's church is the beauty of her salvation. Can anyone tell me anything more beautiful than the gospel story? Can anyone tell me anything more beautiful in your life than the fact that you were lost and undone and dead and you have been made alive in Christ? You've been adopted in Christ. You've been uh, redeemed and reconciled in Christ. Is there anything more wonderful? Is there anything more magnificent? Of course not. this is why Paul opens up in this letter long before he says, hey, put on the armor. Walk like this. Don't walk like that. He says, let's praise the Lord a little because He saved us. We ought to have that same mentality. It ought to be our heart that looks around and realizes that I could be in hell today and would deserve every moment and a flame of torment and outer darkness forever and forever and forever. But I am in Christ. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand. We shouldn't sing words that we don't believe or don't mean. What we look at this today, we've got to see that the the church's position is in Christ. Her possessions are in Christ. Her practices are by Christ. The church's purpose is for Christ. What we find is that the triune God from all time and eternity placed everything in your life so that you would come to Him. Brought you to hear the gospel. Could you imagine what your life would be like if you were born somewhere where the gospel's never been preached? What a merciful God you have. What a gracious God that you were brought up. Or perhaps you didn't, that you weren't raised in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, but now you're saved as an older saint. Praise God, He brought you to where you need to be to hear the gospel and be born again. And because of that, we ought to give to missions because there's countless who still have never heard the name of Jesus before, let alone held a copy of the Bible. First thing we need to see today in verse 3-6 through is this. The beauty of Christ's salvation begins. The beauty of Christ's church, it begins with the plan of the Father. I couldn't plan the church. You couldn't plan the church. We couldn't plan our salvation. Paul talks about this. None of us would think of it this way. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Verse number 3, we see that we need to praise God that He has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Bless His name. Even tells us who. Gives us the specifics. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Now, God is the source and sustainer of all blessings. If you're blessed today, which let's go ahead and do a test. Are you alive today? Raise your hand. All right. Congratulations. You've been blessed, right? Uh, you say, well, I'm broke. Are you alive? You're blessed. Are you not in hell? You're blessed. We have been blessed by God. And the moment that we, the moment we don't see those blessings in our life is the moment that we start dying. It's the moment that we, that we stop truly living for the Lord because now our eyes are not focused on the blessing, but we're seeing the suffering and the trials and we're seeing everything except the blessing. We must see much more than just the blessing. We need to see the giver of the blessing and we must bless his name for it. James tells us this in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variables, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every blessing in our life and especially every spiritual blessing, it comes from the Lord. Conviction is a blessing of God. The calling, the saving, the sanctifying, the glorifying. Every moment of your life, every moment of my life is a blessing of almighty God's grace. God existed long before anything. Matter of fact, everything exists because of him. You agree with me that that much? I want you to know we've got to understand this. The Bible talks about this, makes it very clear. He made everything because he wanted to. what we find is that in the creation and in our salvation and one day in our glorification and even in our sanctification, you want to know what you see? You see God revealing himself to all humanity by his grace so that we would respond by faith. That we would be to the praise of His glory. That we might know Him and make Him known. That we might reflect His glory in this world and prepare ourselves to live with Him and the world to come. And He knew all of this and had planned all of this. He had planned the church. The church was not to replace Israel, nor is it replacing Israel, nor was it a backup plan because Israel jacked, uh, you know, jacked things up. This was and is God's plan. Long before the foundations of the world, even before, even before he said, "Let there be light," he knew every bit of this. He knew everyone that would be here today. He knew what you would wear before you knew what to wear. He, he knew every every message that would ever be preached, every song that would ever be sung. He knows. This verse gives us a great deal. It gives us the who, God and us. It gives us the what? All spiritual blessings. It gives us the when in eternity because these are in heavenly places, which is an eternal place. We, we see the where in heavenly places, the eternal. Why? Because of His his love, simply because He is who He is. It gives us the how of these spiritual blessings in Christ. We see then in verses 4 and 5. And y'all hang on. We're going to spend a little bit of time with this this morning. I want to help you. We have all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. Later on in this book, he's going to say that we are seated in heavenly places already. Why? Because of our union in Christ. So it's as if you're already there. We're already there, but not yet. We've got to yet put off this mortal and this, uh, this uh, temporal body to put on the eternal. That day is coming. Verse 4 and 5. Here's a description about the blessing that we are now to praise God that He chose us in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him. Who's the us? It's the church. The church. The church. In Him before the foundation of the world. That means before anything was laid on the earth, before there were stars, moons, planets, before there was an atmosphere, before there was Adam and Eve in the garden, before there was anything... This was His plan. To glorify Himself through the purchasing of a bride and the making of a body for His Son that would be empowered by His Holy Spirit. This is the eternal plan of God. If you're saved today, do you know and understand and realize the depth of the fact that you are now a part, by God's grace alone, a part of His eternal plan to offer salvation to the world To preach the gospel, to be a a reflection of who he is. He says, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be. And here's what he here is what he has chosen for the church. Here is what God's will is for the church that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We should love to be holy. We should love holiness. That we should uh, love to be without bling. Meaning we should love to hate sin. We should love to get rid of sin. We should love to live righteously. We should love to live out of the position of being in Christ. We should love the possessions and the riches of the glory and of His grace that has uh, so lavished us in Christ that has seated us in heavenly places. We should love such. And he says, Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will let me put it this way. There is no one predestinated outside of Jesus Christ. There is no one who is saved or in heaven today outside of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus Christ. When we look at these verses, here's what happens is that we run into what is a doctrine called election. We see phrases like chosen and predestinated. And here's what happens as we talked about we either run to this camp, and we go, well, I've got to make sure that I preach that Jesus, that God Almighty, that God the Father is sovereign, and I've got to minimize man's responsibility. Or we go on this side, and we go, I've got to make sure that man is sovereign and responsible enough, and so i got to diminish that just a little bit. And here's what we find, is that the two are not enemies, but they are friends, and they go hand in hand. You have the one because of the other and the one depends upon the other. And what we find is that these two are doctrines that you can lay your head on to rest, dear believer. If God wasn't sovereign, I could not sleep at night. And if I was not responsible, then I would not sleep at night because I'd be going, oh, what in the world? What's the point of even living? Here's what we see. Election or being chosen in Christ is not a frozen chosen. It is not a hyper-Calvinist mentality of God goes, that bunch right there, I don't like the way that they look. Well, even though I made them, so I'm going to send them to hell. It doesn't go, well, you know what? That one wears a suit and a dress, and I can see all that because I'm God and I know it from before the foundation of the world. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and save them just because I like the way they look. Now, I want you to know that group and that group are both, when they are born, in Adam and are going to hell because of their own rebellion and sin against God. Not for any other reason. Because of their own rebellion. Because of my own rebellion. What we find is it is God. Yes, He will condemn every single one who has not come to Him in repentance and faith. But he did not go ahead and condemn them before the foundation of the world. And we've got to be awfully careful here. Now now look at this. We've got to see that God does not predestinate some to heaven and others to hell. Could you imagine this? We'll see this in a moment here, and we'll look over in Romans. It's another favorite of, of the hyper-Calvinist group that goes, See, see, look at this. We're going to see what this really means and talks about. Let me ask you something. Anybody ever do any crafting, woodworking, house building? anything you ever made anything all right did you make it so that way you would destroy it you ever we, we were at Dollywood and we were watching people uh do the the blowed glass right not one did I say hey y'all I'm gonna make this one so I can destroy it uh-uh no why because we have a God who loves and loves to save I want you to know it is a delight for you to come to Christ. It delights the heart of God because in salvation, we find the heart of God. Because in the heart of God, we find our salvation in Christ. Every guilty sinner and every sinner is guilty. We only sin because we're sinners. We don't We don't call ourselves sinners because we sin. We are sinners because we uh, we sin because we're sinners. Every single guilty sinner will go to hell. It is Christ that rescues us to bring us to heaven. Look with me momentarily. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 14. I'm going to roll on quickly. Y'all still listening quickly? All right, I think I got to talk quickly. All right, y'all are doing fine out there. It's me you got to worry about, all right? Verse 14, what shall we say then is there unrighteousness with God? Paul goes ahead and answers that. God forbid, meaning the way we put it, no way, Jose, ain't happening. God is not unfair. God is not up there going, you know what? I'm going to play favorites. matter of fact, he is not a respecter of persons, nor uh, do we see that the Bible actually makes it very plain and clear. The Bible tells us that he does not rejoice in the death of the wicked. Why? Salvation is offered for them too notice God's plan of salvation has always been in Christ that is the goal and focus of Ephesians 1 for he saith to Moses I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion let me go ahead and break this down a little bit if you're alive or ever have been alive mercy of God Adam and Eve received mercy and grace you and I that are alive grace and mercy for the, let's see, uh, verse number 16. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. I want you to know, as we said, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, both are true. One does not negate the other, nor make the other one less true than it is. And with that understanding, we look at verse 16 and we say, so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You are saved and I am saved today only because of God's mercy. As Jesus put it, And both are true and not one more than the other, that no man comes unto the Father except through Him, that no man comes unless he be drawn, but all can come. Both are true. Unless there's Holy Ghost conviction, there will not be one soul saved. This is why we preach, but all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. What we find is that it's the Holy Spirit that takes the word that I'm doing my dead level best to preach, and He's the only one that can open up your ears and open up your heart and go, Look to Christ! I can yell it, I can scream it, I can shout it, I can cry, I can weep, but unless the Spirit. See, I can't convict you. I can manipulate your emotions, I can manipulate your thoughts. Only God can bring real conviction. Man's responsibility is to respond to that conviction. By grace are ye saved through faith. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Once you know, Pharaoh could have got saved, but he didn't. Hitler could have been saved, but he didn't. Not because God said, I won't save them before He said, let there be light. But because they harden themselves. You say, well, doesn't the Bible say there in Exodus that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? It does. After Pharaoh hardened his heart. Notice this. We are born naturally with hardened hearts against God. Our sinful nature has a hard heart against God. Through the preaching of the Word and the declaration of the Gospel, the Holy Spirit churns up that ground and we can respond to the seed of the gospel by faith and be gloriously born again to bear fruit being in Christ the true vine goes on and he says therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth thou wilt say unto me why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will nay but O man who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another unto dishonour? What if God willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory. Vessels of wrath is simple. Here's what it is. It is not God before He said, let there be light, said I'm going to make a bunch of stuff I can crush forever and forever in my hatred and wrath. It are those that have rebelled and rejected Him. As well, dear believer, as those who have never heard the Gospel. And God is just in doing so. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are dead in sins and trespasses. This is why we must preach the Gospel to every nation, to every creature. This is why we must give to missions to see that the Gospel goes forth to all those who will die without knowing Him because there is not one saved. Even though old Billy Graham said it years ago, there are folks, he said there are folks who are going to be saved who have never heard the name of Jesus. That is hogwash and heresy. There is not one soul ever saved outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With this, we see that the vessels of wrath have hardened their own heart by rebellion, rejection, and being unyielding to God the potter. And eventually, what does the potter do? Okay, are you sure? Destruction it is. Then what do we find these vessels of mercy? Dear believer, that are those who have simply yielded by faith to God Almighty. Simply those who have yielded to His molding and His fashioning, who have trusted in Him by faith and have been born again, not by works of our hands, but by His grace, by His mercy, by His work for us. Chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a Bible promise. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confesseth man unto salvation with the Scripture, saith, whosoever shall believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That's... All that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except that he sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel but they have not all obeyed the Gospel. That's how you know you're a vessel of wrath. You have not obeyed the Gospel. You want to know how you're chosen in Christ? You have obeyed the Gospel. You have trusted in His death and burial and resurrection. You have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Spurgeon put it this way, you will find all true theology summed up in these two short sentences. Salvation is all of the grace of God. Damnation is all of the will of man. So here's what chosen in Christ, here's what predestinated in the adoption of children by Jesus Christ of himself means. It means this, That God has chosen a corporate people to be the spiritual body and bride for His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, before the foundations of the earth. But all those who are a part of it have come to Christ for salvation because that is the only way you will be a part of His body or a part of His bride. That is the only way that you will be in union with Him, in heaven with Him, for eternity, for eternity, forever and forever. It is to be in Christ. As God chose a people Israel in Abraham. Notice, God didn't make a nation first. He called a man. Abraham responded by faith. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And in Abraham came the people of Israel. In Christ, who came and submitted to the will of the Father by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to save and redeem us by His precious blood, that God chose a people, the church, in Christ Jesus. And those that are a part of her have come by one way, and one way only, and that's the way of the cross the way that is drenched in His precious blood. D.L. Moody put it this way, the whosoever wills are the elect, and the whosoever won'ts are the non-elect. The key is in Christ. Are you in Christ today? We need to praise God that He adopted us. We say that He adopted us as His own. We are in union with Christ. His love has adopted us as His own in, by, and for Christ. We have a new position. We have new possessions and new privileges as being His sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Father who has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. He's called us to be good children. And notice He's done this according to the good pleasure of His will. Why? Because I can tell you this. Perhaps one of the most wonderful things that brings glory to God Almighty is the salvation of a soul. We sing, the angels sing, and God is glorified. In verse number 6, we see the plan of the Father as well has accepted us. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Notice that idea, the glory of His grace. Later on in chapter 2, we're going to see that no man can boast about salvation. Why? Because we've saved by grace. unmerited, Undeserved favor that has empowered us to to come to Him, to trust Him, to see that there is no other way. It is by God's grace that we are saved. It's not by a little bit of God's grace and a whole lot of our faith. It's by God's grace through faith. It's It's not by a lot of God's grace and a little bit of faith. It is by grace through faith. That is salvation. We are only acceptable and accepted because of in Christ. I've done nothing on my own to have God accept me. I've given Him every reason to reject me, to throw me away, and to take this clay that I am and to cast me down forever. It is by His work. It is by His precious Son's blood. Salvation from start to finish is to the praise of the glory of His grace. Let me ask you before we go any further today, are you still amazed by God's grace? Is it still just as amazing to you? Are you still amazed at the fact that you were saved? You see, you and I, we we get so upset that we're amazed that the God of love would send anybody to hell. I want you to know they went on their own accord. We should not be amazed that God exacts vengeance and wrath upon those that reject Him we should be amazed that He has ever saved a soul. We should be amazed that I stand before God right now in this moment, not by any work that I've done, in Christ, with His righteousness applied to my account, and I did nothing to earn it. By His grace, through faith. By grace I am redeemed. By grace I am restored. And now I freely walk into the arms of the Lord. Christ, my Lord. Verse 7-12. through We're going to roll quickly. We see the purchase of the Son. Look at this. In whom? Who's the whom? Jesus Christ. Notice verse 5. By Jesus Christ. Verse number 3. In Christ. Verse 4. In Him. Uh, We see all of this. In whom we have redemption through His blood. So here's another way of putting it. There is no redemption outside of His blood. We still need to preach a bloody gospel and a bloody cross because outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no remission of sins. In whom we have redemption through his blood, not ours, because you can't even sacrifice yourself to, like, oh, you shed some blood for me? Now, now I'll accept you. No, our blood ain't acceptable. Only the God man, only Jesus Christ, the righteous, in him. We have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, not according to the riches of your works, because the riches of my works is filthy rags before him. Going, look what I've done. Look what I've given to you. Isn't it wonderful? And it's covered in worms and vile and disgust, and it's vomit. It's waste and refuse. It's nothing. Today we can lift up our hands those of us who are in Christ and we can say God I've got nothing but myself to offer you but you've given me everything I've got riches I've got salvation I'm clothed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ we see in verse 7 that he has redeemed us by his blood according to the riches of his grace the ransom of our pardon for sins is by his blood not by merit his grace shed His blood to save us. I want you to see here for just a moment. I'll turn and read it for you. First Peter chapter 1 tells us this in verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, it means you can't buy your way to heaven, you can't work your way to heaven. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, religion won't get you there. And you will not ride the coattails of another. But with the precious blood of Christ, we sing, Oh, precious is the flow. How precious is it to you, dear believers? It's still just as precious. May we be reminded of what God has done to save us. With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world that was manifest in these last times for you. Notice, foreordained before the foundation of the world. Why? Because the plan of God was to crush His Son for your sins. That He might reveal all that He is, all that He has done, all that He will do, uh, and what He has done to save us from our sin, to save us from hell, to save us from our very rebellious nature. Christ purchased each believer by His blood to be a part of His purchased, pure, beautiful bride. This is why we have talked about for weeks now that the bride and body of Christ is beautiful. Not because she's made herself beautiful, but because she's clothed by Christ. This is why we ought to love church not because it's a religious function or makes us feel good or because we like the singing or the preaching. You probably don't like either one of those, especially the preaching part. But I want you to know, we had better love the church because she is beautified and belongs to Christ. We see then, verse 8 and 9, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. God revealed Himself to you because He took pleasure in it. God teaches us because He takes pleasure in it. God wants us to know Him because He takes pleasure in us knowing Him. God desires to reveal Himself to you today by His grace. Will you respond to that revealing? Verse number 10. There's so much more here. This is a series for like another another day. Y'all understand. According to his good pleasure, he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Paul writes much in the same way in Colossians chapter 1. He writes this In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the first one of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence for it. Please the Father, that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether it be things in earth or things in heaven. Grace and faith put hands and feet to God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and salvation. We receive through faith because it has been revealed by grace. We see that He has reconciled us. We see in verse 11 and 12 that He has rewarded those who come to Him and whom we have also obtained an inheritance. I'm not going to an empty heaven. I'm not going to a place that is going to be all about me and heaven is not going to be about what you like and what you want. I want you to know, as many funerals as I've done, I leave so many of them sad. Yes, someone has died, and there's a family grieving. But what saddens me even more is that they go, well, he's up he's up showing John and Paul how to fish. No, he's not. He's up there in the great deer stand in the sky. No, he's not. If he's saved in Christ, he's before his throne. Because there's no square inch of the heavens that is not before the throne of God. And he sees the Savior that shed his blood, and he sees the, the Prince of the nails, His hands, and His feet, and His side. Perhaps even those scars of that crown of thorns He wore, being mocked and ridiculed, but He sits there as the King of the universe. The only reason why anyone will ever be right there and see Him and know Him that way is because He is the King of your heart. we see that He is ultimately not just the one that gives us an inheritance, but He is our inheritance. That's God's will. That's God's will for you, dear believer. You don't have to search so hard for God's will. He's told us His will. And it's found in Christ. Verse 13 and 14 will be done. I'll read verse 12 just because that we should be to the praise of His glory. That's God's will for your life. That's God's will for this church. That we would be to the praise of His glory. You want to know when the church is most beautiful? When she lives to the praise of His glory. You want to know when your life is most beautiful? Even in the midst of trials and tragedies, when you are living even in those darkest moments of your life to the praise of His glory. Yet not I, but Christ. In whom also ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Not only do we find the plan of the Father, the purchase of the Son, but we find the promise of the Spirit that makes the beauty of the church. This today is why the church is beautiful. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make her beautiful. And if the church means this much in eternity past to eternity future to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you think she ought to mean the world to us? Oh yes. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. The promise of the Spirit came from both the Father and the Son for the benefit of each believer and for Christ's church. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes us so beautiful before Him, before the Lord, that points us to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that chips and drives away sin. It's the Holy Spirit that unites us together in Christ, that matures the believer, that matures the body, that unites the body, that perfects the body, that equips the body and every believer in it. To the praise of His glory. He seals the believer. He preserves the believer under the day of redemption in Christ. He guarantees each believer of God's promises in Christ. He assures us in Christ. He is the pledge to every believer of our future glory in Christ. Notice even the phrase, uh, He is our inheritance, redemption of the purchase, possession under the praise of His glory. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is our, he is our earnest. Meaning this, we have been given the Holy Spirit as a promise, as this down payment, if you will, to show that our salvation is paid in full as Christ said it was there on the cross and that those of us who are in Christ, who died and resurrected in Christ, what we find is that we are empowered by the Spirit of promise who has come to us, who has not only sealed us into the day of redemption and assured our hearts of salvation, but is the one that shows us you will be with the Lord one day. Let me break it down another way. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. You don't need to have a a spirit baptism, uh, some extra thing that our charismatic friends would say. You do not lose the Holy Spirit and then regain the Holy Spirit, and that He comes and goes in your life. You are sealed. Whether you yield to Him or not is your choice. Here's what we find. Not only this, but he strengthens the believers we've seen in chapter three, verse sixteen through twenty one for sake of time. We won't read it. We've read it a thousand times in this series thus far, and I think we should read it a thousand times more, but the Christian life now is to be yielded to the teaching, the convicting, the leading of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and to the glory of Christ. Me bring this to a close today. The Father, from all time and eternity says, I'm going to reveal myself to a people and save them unto myself. And here's how I'm going to do it. My Son. The Son says, I'm going to redeem these people by my blood. I'm going to die for them and resurrect for them. And in those who trust in me, they too have died and resurrected in me. I will seat them in heavenly places and I will give them the Holy Spirit to empower them, encourage them, and assure them until the day that I call them home. And the Holy Spirit abides in every believer to enable us to abide in Christ who abides in the Father. And what we find is that Our triune, holy, loving, gracious, merciful, kind, compassionate, wonderful, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God has saved us. Because of that, dear church, today and moving forward in your own life, in your family, in this church May all that we do and all that we are be to the praise of His glory and grace. The church is to be to the praise of His glory both now and forever. John Newton is Fig Newton's brother. In case he's wondering. (laughs) Don't quote me on that. I want to leave you with these words. And I hope this is helpful. He said at the end of his life, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. Today, as we bring this time to a close, have a time of invitation. I ask you, Are you in Christ today? Have you been born again? Are you a part of the true church of God? Let me ask you, dear believer, is your life being lived right now to the praise of His glory? Are you just as in awe of His grace as you once were, or could you care less? Are you unyielded to the promise uh, uh, and power of His Holy Spirit? Are you living your life outside of His will? Do you see all the faults of the church and not her beauty? Oh that we might see the beauty of Christ Church, that we would learn what it means to actually be a part of Christ Church, and as Christ's Church, that we would be his hands and feet in this world till he calls not merely a body home, but his precious bride for whom he died. Will you choose today, dear believer, to see the beauty? of Christ church. Will you simply now, as this time comes and this piano is going to be played, would you come and just thank God for salvation? If I could explain everything and understand it all, I wouldn't be on earth. I'd be with the Lord. But like our dear brother said, well, we've got two things that we can remember today. I know this today. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Dear church, may we be united together to see the beauty of Christ and his bride so that we might live as his body to the praise of his glory and grace. Let's all stand. This altar is open.